If you have a Bible, open to the book of James. We have been and will be in the book of James for a little while. Um, again, for those of you who maybe are new or those of you who are just kind of jumping back in with us, we're going through the book of James this semester and beyond, uh, and God is doing some awesome things, and we're so excited to be back in it tonight. We had a good time last Last uh, Thursday with board game night, and I think everyone's friendships have recovered. Everyone's got their pride back. So, um, but we had a good time. We did. We had a good time. We're in James chapter one. It should be up on the screen as well. Um, we're in James one verses nineteen and twenty tonight. James one nineteen and twenty. We're going to do the best we can to ring these two verses out for all that they're worth. Um, it'll be awesome. James chapter one. And then we'll read verses 19 and 20. This is James speaking, obviously, and so he says in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 1, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Let's read it one more time. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So, so verse 19, he says, this you know, my brothers. So right off the bat, we've got to learn something here. It says, know this. Uh, in your version, it might say, understand this, or therefore, or any King Jamesers in here, so then, or wherefore, right? In the, in the, all right, so remember, Old Testament, written in Hebrew originally, New Testament, written in Greek. So the Greek word here is to know, or to understand, or to appreciate. So, so James is saying, what I'm about to say, you need to know. Okay, what I'm about to say, you need to start to wrap your brain around. You need to start to understand. So often, here's why, I, why I'm bringing this down. So often we read through the Bible and we say like, yeah, but okay, cool, Ryan, but where's the practical application? How do I apply this to my life? James gives us a quick answer here. What I'm about to say, know this. What I'm about to say, apply this to your life. You ready? By doing it. Okay, how do I apply this? By doing it, by knowing it, by understanding it. That's the application. What I'm about to tell you, know this, brothers and sisters, right? Know this, understand what I'm about to say, and then put it into practice. And as we're about to see, this is much easier said than done, right? Or much easier heard than done. Ah, see what I did there? All right, here we go. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear, all right? What, what's going on here? Be quick to hear, right? Um, quick, here it means ready, okay? Like you're so ready for something that you're quicker to get there than those who are not ready. Does that make sense? So quick here means ready. Be in readiness. For what? To listen. Be in readiness to listen. Live your life in a posture that you are ready to listen. And let me clarify this more because listen here, listen here, listen, comma, here is the word for understanding, okay? Not just 
recognizing the sounds, right? But working those, what someone else is saying into you. So it could be read, if you're, if you're a note taker, right? Be ready to understand. So understand this, brothers. Be ready to understand. So it doesn't just mean be quiet when someone else is talking to you, right? You see the difference here? Be ready to understand. It gives the impression of what you might call active listening, right? You're actively trying to understand not just what the person is saying, but the person themselves, engaging with the other person and not just what they're saying, engaging with the other person and not just the argument that they're making. And isn't that interesting? And that's even when we're right, even when we're right. And, the, and you know the other person is wrong, right? You're engaging with them. You're ready to understand why they think what they think, even if it's wrong. James wants Christians to, at least in part, be characterized, now listen, be characterized as a people who are ready not to understand just what the other side is saying, but the people on the other side. Not just to listen to what the other people are saying, but to be ready to understand them. You see? Christianity is a religion where we are actively ready not just to debate abortion, but to meet women and couples who have had them. To befriend our same-sex attracted neighbors. Sam Alberry, right? Same-sex attracted pastor in England, works for Ravi Zacharias Ministries now. He wrote, Is God Anti-Gay? Highly recommend it. He was asked one time, As a Christian, should I attend a gay wedding? Here's his response. Are you acting in such a way that you would even be invited to one? It's a great point, right? And, and not from the, now hear me, not from the perspective of, I, I'm okay with everything, therefore I'm invited to everything, right? But are you loving your neighbor in such a way to where they would say, we don't agree, but I know that you care about me. You're ready to understand. It doesn't say ready to agree. It doesn't say be quick to agree, be quick to endorse. Be ready to understand. To play video games with people of different political beliefs, right? To be able to interact. I just gained some of you and I just lost some of you there. And that's okay. But to be able to connect with people who you do not agree with, that's, that sends a message deeper than just what we say. Does that make sense? James is on to something here. Now, let me say this. Ready to understand, quick to hear. Listen, this is impossible on social media, okay? This is not, not like kind of, like this is impossible. It is impossible to hear that person, okay? It is impossible to know their story, to understand that person if you're just looking at their last comment. I have a friend named Danielle Maida who works as a school counselor in Atlanta, and her school tried this new tactic this year. Uh, they did this thing where, you know, they have, iP everybody's got iPads now, right, or Chromebooks and all these things, and the teachers can monitor what the students are saying to each other, and if the students are caught, true story, if the students are caught sending inappropriate text messages to each other or bullying each other through the, the Chromebooks, they take them and they put them in a room and they make them read the text to each other in person. Yeah. Some of them can't even do it. Like they won't, like if a guy's been sending 
lewd stuff to a girl or vice versa or something like that. She said some of them can't even bring themselves to read it out loud because, listen, knowing a person is a completely different experience than interacting with them online or through your phone, right? It's a totally different experience. Um, in seminary a couple weeks ago, my, pa- uh, my pastor, our, our professor, who's a uh, preacher, he played, there's a lot of peas in there, and I'm struggling. He, he played a sermon, right, and we got to listen to it, and then he preached a different sermon to us in person, but while the sermon was playing, like we had our feet kicked up, like we were just kind of eating and listening to him, but then when he's preaching in the room, I mean, I didn't even hardly look down at my Bible because I was so into what he was, it was a totally different experience. Because being with someone in person is a totally different planet than just interacting with them online. Social media is a realm in which James 1.19 is impossible. Where being ready to understand is impossible. You can hear them, you can see what they're saying, but to be ready to understand is impossible through a screen. Listen, guys, don't take the bait, right? Don't. Don't take the bait and try to swing back and prove yourself through a screen or through your phone. If you cannot understand them as a person online, then you should not engage them in serious discussion online. There's an interview where the founder of Twitter, the founder of Twitter has said, Twitter was never meant to be what it has become. This was not his intention when he created it. To be, it it's not designed to hold the weight of people's deepest beliefs. Does that make sense? Because you had Frosted Flakes this morning is a great tweet. That's not your deepest core soul, right? Does that make sense? It's not designed to hold that. Well, maybe for some of you, but, like, but it's not designed to hold that. Don't take the bait. Be ready to understand. And next... Be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Turn in your Bibles if you've got them to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. Proverbs is an awesome book. It's, it's kind of a book of wisdom, right? And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but we'll be in Proverbs for a few minutes and then we'll jump back over to James. Proverbs 17. Now remember this concept of being slow to speak. If you open the middle of your Bible, you'll probably hit Psalms. And then go to the right just a little bit and you'll hit Proverbs, okay? Or use your table of contents. That is totally fine. Proverbs 17, verse 28, all right? Proverbs 17, verse 28. This is what it says. I'm checking here to make sure. Proverbs 17, is it up there? Okay, no worries, no worries. Proverbs 17, 28. Here we go. Now remember, slow to speak. Even a fool, when he keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered careful. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered careful. Now let's break this down. According to the Bible, look at what it says. When he keeps silent, he is considered wise. So according to the Bible, wisdom is not linked to speaking a lot, but to those who take their time in what they say. So according to the Bible, you could say a lot of smart things and wise things, but if you say it all the time, you would not be counted wise. Who take the time to consider their words. 
You've heard the thing, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I don't know what the deal was with that guy, right? Because words are words have a huge impact on us, right? All the greatest movements of history are surrounded by men and women who knew how to use their words. Words matter, so they must be treated with care. And according to the Bible, the person who gets that is beginning to become wise. Words matter. And, the, and according to the Bible, the person who is starting to get that, not, not the theology of it, not the, not the this or that, but the person who's beginning to get that words matter and treats them carefully, that's the person who's beginning to become wise. Notice, he's a fool. He literally doesn't get it. He's a fool. But he chooses his foolish words carefully, and there's wisdom in that, you see? And then go, go down to Proverbs 17, 27. He who restrains his words, who restrains them, has knowledge. And he, I love the NASB, he who has a cool spirit, right? He who has a calm or a cool spirit is a man of understanding. He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Being right is good and important, but knowledge in the Bible is not, this is so important for us to understand in the age of I'll show you, I'll prove you wrong. Look at this point. Knowledge in the Bible is not just linked to being right. Knowledge and wisdom are rooted in being able to control what you say, right or wrong. Knowledge and wisdom are rooted in being able to control what you say online or otherwise. Of course there's knowledge in being right. But according to the Bible... Having a careful spirit, remaining calm under pressure, has just as much to do with being wise as knowing the right answer. How you say it does half the work for you. You see what I mean? How you say it does half the work for you. A quick-tempered person is someone who speaks without careful consideration. Quick-tempered, quick-tempered people do not consider the other person. Quick-tempered people do not carefully consider the situation. Quick-tempered people, therefore, are not wise. Wisdom in the Bible is the ability to control your tongue. That's how you know you're wise. It's not just about knowledge. It's about that knowledge showing itself in control. You see what I mean? You can have all the knowledge, and if you don't control how you disseminate that knowledge, there's an SAT word, if you don't control how you get that knowledge across, then you're not wise. Do you see the difference there? You see what I'm saying? All right, go back to James 1. And the last part of this verse, slow to anger. Slow to anger. Zeb, today's your lucky day, buddy. This is a letter from a guy named John Newton. All right? No, he's not a member of the Beatles. Okay? John Newton was the writer, if you've ever sung the hymn Amazing Grace, you know John Newton, former slave owner, become slave emancipator slash Christian. Amazing story for this guy, right? He wrote a letter, <coughs> excuse me, called On Controversy. And I, and I want you to listen to excerpts from this letter. Now remember, slow to anger. This letter was written 300 years ago, almost, Okay. Where else is a college minister going to read a 300-year-old letter to you guys? Um, 300 years old, right? Newton was a brilliant pastor and teacher. Here's, here's the background for this letter, okay? And then, I, and then I'll, I'll explain it. One guy disagreed with another, 
Not that that ever happens in today's world, right? One guy disagreed with another. So the first guy is going to write an article defending his position and bashing the other person's position. Could this not just be taken out of today's world? But before he writes the letter, bashing the other guy, he's gonna, he writes the first letter to John Newton asking for advice before he does it, okay? Here's some of the things that Newton said. Two quick things. <clears throat> As to your opponent, here we go. I wish that before you set pen to paper, so before you start typing, before you set pen to paper against him, and during the whole time you are preparing your answer, I pray that you would commend him by earnest prayer to the Lord's teaching and blessing. This practice will have a direct tendency to calm your heart, to love and pity him. This heart attitude will have a good influence on every page that you write. So here's what Newton's saying. Before you write about this guy, right? <clears throat> so this is immediate. Before you even put pen to paper, before you even start typing on your phone, commit this person to your prayer life. Begin praying for this person who is so wrong before you correct them. You can't pray for this person and type stuff out against them at the same time. It's just never going to work that way. Can you imagine the shift in culture if, this was, if even half of us did this? The shift, the total, I mean, the earth would literally like tip over the other way, right? Or at least the west would if we did this, right? If, if before engaging with people, you literally, not, I didn't say just like, and, and Noon's not saying just keep your mouth shut. He's saying pray for this person who is so wrong that they would be corrected, that the Lord would do a work and then start talking to them. And that prayer won't just change your opponent. Listen to the second part of what he said. Did you catch it? This practice, so prayer, this practice will have a direct tendency to calm your heart, to love and pity the other person. And this heart attitude will influence every page you write. Once you pray, it'll influence what you write. It'll change the way you correct this person. You see that? It has an effect on you. Now you're writing to him from a heart that has spent time with God first. A heart that has submitted to God first. The pride in your heart has been rooted out by God first. Then you respond to what's going on. Praying for someone will calm your heart towards them. Think about it. It'll calm your heart towards them. Your heart is in a calm and humble state now before you interact with them. This is the power and effect of prayer. It humbles our hearts before God and in turn before each other. Be slow to speak. Be, be quick to listen. Be quick to pray for these people before directly engaging them. How do I apply that? Do it, right? That's what James says. Do it. Stop pushing and start Hold up and pray and take the time before you respond, before you see them in person, be, and be quick to understand. If someone posts something that you disagree with, instead of 
praying and then writing out your Gettysburg address where you're going to just lay it out, right? Ask to meet with this person instead. Will you do what these kids who are texting each other are able to? Think about, now think about what a different culture that would be. Where everyone had, and, and like, have you ever like, you, you know, I don't know, you see someone online maybe and you just can't stand the person, then you meet them and you're like, it's all right. You know what I mean? Like, it's totally different. Like, I don't, ag- I mean, I don't agree, but like, but it's a, t- it, it is a complete game changer. It is a total change. What if we did that? Now, read James chapter 1, verse 20. James 1, 20. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Listen to Newton again. Here's what he says. The scriptural saying that the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God is true by daily observation. You can see this every day. If our zeal, so our excitement, our willingness to prove someone wrong, if our zeal is embittered by expressions of anger and scorn, we may think we are doing service in the cause of Christ, when in reality, we will only bring it discredit. We may think we are doing the truth. You may think, look at what he says. You can't save people through emotion. No one's ever going to see how angry you are and how loud you yell and start to think, oh, you know, he's got a point. Like That's not going to be the thing that like, you know what, you're right, man. It's just not going to do it. It's not going to change their mind. Our arguments are clearly drawn from Scripture. Listen to what he says. The weapons of our warfare, so the way we engage the culture, the weapons of our warfare which alone are powerful enough to break down their strongholds of error, are not worldly, but spiritual. Arguments fairly drawn from Scripture and our own experience and spoken of in a calm way 300 years ago. And spoken of in a calm way so that they can persuade our listener that whether or not we can convince them we wish them well to their soul. That whether or not we can convince them, we wish them well to their soul. When you do this, when you, you, you're saying the right thing, right? But you're saying it from a hard heart, an embittered heart of, I told you so. When you do that, you think you're bringing that person the righteousness of God. But in reality, you're only taking it away. You're only discrediting the faith that you're trying to defend when you say the right things with a hard heart. You're hurting the cause that you're trying to help. We can't save people through emotion. Our arguments are clearly drawn out from Scripture. This is where you've got to be slow to speak. It all works together so that the other person can understand and see why you believe what you believe. This will only work if we're slow to speak. Are you arguing and living in such a way with others that shows whether you agree with them or not, you care about their soul? That's the point. I don't don't agree with what she's talking about, but man, 
she was such a good listener to me while I was explaining my side or my belief or my whatever, my decision, my orientation, my lifestyle. She was so, she listened and she asked questions. She didn't speak out of turn. I didn't get the vibe that she was planning her counterpoint while I was talking, right? Which is something we all do. I didn't get that vibe from her. I think she is so stupid for what she believes. But man, I, I can't wait to talk to her again. You see, that's the picture James is painting there. You see how in no way, you may have totally lost that argument, but they want to talk to you again. You see what I mean? Does that make sense? Would they know that maybe at PV and college, they're not going to agree, they're not going to agree with that lifestyle, but they know the people there and they'll, they'll come check it out because they know the people there. Does that make sense? That's what James is trying to paint. Now, he probably didn't have PV in college in mind, but we don't know that, right? We don't know. We don't know. It doesn't say. Um, are you arguing and living in such a way with others that shows whether you agree with them or not, you care about their soul? Slow to anger. Now, here's the last part. Now, now listen. James just told you to be slow to anger. And this is, this is one of those that, like, I'm not going to get emotional, but I, but I almost want to just to show you what a crazy thought this. Now, think about this. He just told you to be slow to anger. There is hope in these verses for us. It shows that God does not just want our actions. He wants your feelings as well. Do you catch that? Anger is not an action. This is a feeling. Be quick to hear. That's an action. Be slow to speak. That's an action. Be slow to anger. That's a feeling. It shows us God does not just want our actions. He wants our feelings as well. Christianity is not just, and I, and I want you guys to hear this, Christianity is not just outward robotic behavior. Christianity is something you feel from the inside out. You're in James. Look in Hebrews. It's right before James. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll finish up here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Now, this one's for free. In, in my Bible, Hebrews 10, 16 is mostly in all caps. Does anyone know what that means? Just raise it up real quick if you want to be a theologian for just a minute. Go, Shelby. Exactly. He's, it's a quote from the Old Testament, okay? This is from Jeremiah. I think it's Jeremiah 31, but this is the Lord. He's telling Jeremiah, it's quoted in Hebrews, New Testament. He's telling Jeremiah what the new covenant is going to look like, okay? What what Christianity in the New Testament is going to look like. Now listen and think about, he wants your emotions too, okay? Hebrews 10, 16. This is the covenant that I will make with him. So this is the promise. This is what God's going to do in your life when you become a, if you become a Christian, when you become a Christian. This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, look, I will put my law upon their heart and on their mind I will write them I will write my law on their heart when you become a Christian there is a direct impact from God's law from God's word on your heart on your emotional life according to the Bible our emotions according to this verse I'll write my law on their heart According to the Bible, our emotions are directly affected by God's law. Our emotions are directly affected by God's law. The Bible 
has the power, listen, the Bible has the power, according to this, I'll write it on their heart, the Bible has the power not just to inform us of new things, but to rewire our souls. This is the power the Bible has, not just to inform us of new things, but to rewire our souls. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give you the power to obey purity when you feel lust. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to see people of the opposite sex completely differently. It changes your vision. It changes how you feel about them. Being a Christian, according to James, is not primarily forcing your mouth closed every time you want to say something, though that will certainly happen. God's word has the ability, according to this, be slow to speak and slow to anger. Slow to speak, slow to anger. God's word has the ability not just to close your mouth, but to diffuse your anger in the first place. To take a quick-tempered person and not just teach them to be quiet but to change the very nature of their temper. God's word has the ability to take an angry person and say, stop being angry, and it works. A lustful person and say, stop lusting, stop this driving desire, and the desire will fade. Not by magic, not by name it, claim it, but by a mighty miracle of the Holy Spirit rewiring your soul through God's word. Our culture, everything we believe in our day would say, you can't just tell people to stop being angry, right? You can't, do, you can't just tell them, stop doing this, stop being like this, stop being angry. You can't just tell someone to just be slow to anger. James seems to think you can do that. James seems to think the Bible can do that because he knows God has the power to change our hearts. This is why we, go, we are going through the book of James literally until some of you like get your doctorate, right? <laughs> We're going through this word slowly and methodically because this is what has the power to do something in your life. This is what has the power to change your soul. You would, this is what he says. I will write the law on their heart. They will be lustful. They will encounter my word. They will come out of that encounter different than when they started. Less lustful, less angry, less addicted, less anxious. This is the power the word of God has as we get understanding and the Holy Spirit uses it to change our lives. This is what we do. Let us be a group of people here at PVN, right, in this room. Let us be a group of people that maybe because of the Bible, we don't agree with what some of our friends and neighbors are doing, but our friends and neighbors know that we care about them. It's so easy to demonize people who are different, right, or who, who believe differently, to label them as, well, this is just what they do, right? Yeah, but do you know them? I'm not saying do you endorse what they do. And this is for me too, man. Please follow me as I follow Christ, as I, as I try to do this. Um, you know, we make jokes about stuff like that. We make jokes about other people and other groups and people outside of the church. James would say, what are you doing? Be ready to understand the person 
slow to speak, choosing our words carefully, and through spending time in God's word, watch your anger, your anxiety, your frustration, your lust slowly begin to ebb away. Not through magic, but through a miracle of God that is far more impressive than splitting the sea or feeding 5,000. The miracle of God that the cross locked into place. It's an amazing thing. It's going to be an amazing semester. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll sing it out.